BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we are chatting on Days of Our Lives' 54th anniversary, and it is the show that I have been watching for 35 years. Now, I know you know this, but I was a huge All My Children fan, and that was my one o'clock show. But then they killed Jenny off on the jet ski, and it was, like, it for me. I was done. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm never watching this show again. And my sister had started watching Days, and I started watching with her, and I got completely hooked, like, done. I came in during the super couple era, and at the top of my list was Bo and Hope. Um, I loved Pete and Melissa. I loved Jen and Frankie and certainly all of the other biggies like Shane and Kim, Steve and Kayla. And I mean, the list goes on, all of them. And, you know, I think the reason I really started reading Soap Opera Digest in earnest was because they had such good days coverage. And when I started working here in 1990, I was told that some people called it Days of Our Lives Digest. Mm -hmm. And I understood why, because that's why I started reading it. Um, But there was something super magical to me about that period of the show. And so you can imagine how psyched I was to start covering days for the magazine around like 1997. I absolutely can. And Days was my first soap, too. Uh, I got hooked in elementary school at my friend Julie's house because her mom was and is a daily viewer. So always a day. Shout out to Margie. Um, I came in more uh, or less in that same time frame. Like, I think when I started regularly watching, um, even when I wasn't at Julie's house, was the summer of 1988. And I feel really lucky that I got to see, like— Steve and Kayla's wedding on the yacht. And I got to follow Jack and Jennifer from the very beginning. I still remember how surreal it felt the first time I saw Deirdre Hall in person. Ditto. Um, Or like talk to Drake Hokuston. Ditto. Um, They just seemed larger than life to me. Like they couldn't actually exist outside of the TV. Um, It is a special show. You know, the fact that the Hortons have been a through line for 54 years is just so remarkable. And again, special. And I don't know that there is a more passionate fan on the planet than a Days fan. Oh, definitely. And, you know, we certainly still see that today. And um, the show is kicking off a very special storyline at the end of the anniversary episode that is going to change the future of everything in Salem. So they're doing a time jump, which has never been done before in daytime. And that's about all we can say about it, because I know it's very important to the show that what is about to happen really plays out on screen. But I can say with absolute certainty, count me in for it. I mean, it is so rare to have a huge twist on the day-to-day storylines we see, never mind something that will absolutely shift the canvas like this will. I'm excited, too, and I'm excited for fans of the show. I think it's going to be intriguing and can't miss, and I think the day's Twitter is going to be 
happen for the foreseeable future. I think so, too. Um, You know, and it's amazing and sad at the same time to think when I started watching NBC soaps, you know, Another World was on the air, as was Search for Tomorrow, then Santa Barbara, which was definitely one of my faves, and then Sunset Beach and Passions came, and, you know, to represent the newer shows that had their moment. But, you know, 54 years later, the fact that Days is still hanging in there, winning Emmys, doing its thing, and as you pointed out, still focusing on the Horton family, you know, says a lot. Um, I really love delving into the history of the show and reading the stories from the early years, you know, when we do, like, our historical features Mm -hmm. here, Um, you know, when Bill Bell was the head writer. I mean, there is certainly a lot to unpack there. I mean, gosh. But those stories, you know, really focused on love, family, infidelity, relationships, you know, the basics, which I feel are really the foundation of any good storytelling. And I always argue that the reason people watched soaps in the 50s and 60s is the same reason they watch today. You know, I don't think they're looking for bells and whistles or fancy camera work, you know, just tell a good story. And that's not to say that there weren't shocking moments like when Marie Horton, who like had attempted suicide when the show started in 1965 after she was dumped by her fiance say, you know, fell for a new doctor at the hospital who turned out to be her presumed dead brother, Tommy Horton Jr., with plastic surgery. I mean, that could not have been your normal affair in the 60s. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, You know, I always remember an interview uh, with Jerry Verdorn, who was Ross on Guiding Light and later Clint on One Life to Live, um, in which he said that he thought soaps could be successful with actors standing against a black curtain Mm -hmm. as long as the stories were good. Now, this may be like something of an oversimplification, but I think that when a show's got buzz, you know, when its ratings are are solid or on the rise, it's because the stories are working, Mm -hmm. plain and simple. You know, gimmicks tend not to impress an audience, nor, to your point, does switching up the look or the camera work on a show. Um, Movies in prime times, like, do explosions better. Uh, What soaps do better is to hook you into that human aspect, the emotions of lovers and friends and enemies and family members. And Days has a great track record of tapping into that generation after generation. And I think with what's in store with this time jump is is that, but supercharged and presented in a a new way and a fresh way. And I really do think it's going to make for some, like, very exciting viewing. Oh, me too. I really can't wait. Well, our guest today knows a thing or two about what's about to happen on Days. Um, It's Christian Alfonso, who joined the show as Hope in 1983 and today remains one of Soap's most popular stars. Hi, Christian. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I am, well, I'm great, and I'm so excited to do this because I've never done this with you two before. I know, we're so excited to have you. There is so much to talk about. Oh my goodness, where do we start? Well, we're going to do like a little bit of a Christian Alfonso memory lane. And so we are going to start with sort of you starting out as just someone in the spotlight, which I feel was when you were a figure skater when you were younger. And um, you actually won a gold medal at the Junior Olympic Figure Skating Championships. Very impressive. You know, I so loved ice skating. I think what I most loved about actually I was a dancer and a skater. They really went hand in hand. And it was a seven day. It was seven days a week. But I also have to say that I really feel that the ice skating and the dancing together and the sacrifices that you have to make um, being an athlete in those sports as in any sport, um, I suppose, um, is it really taught me focus at a very young age um, and drive. But what I loved so much to get back to the ice skating is that I always found it very freeing because you could just get lost in the music. Mm-hmm. Whether and during well, when I skated, lyrics were not allowed during competition. 
as now I believe they are, as we also had um, the figure eights, which were crucial in advancing in competition. You had to get through that um, to get to the freestyle. Um, it's such a gorgeous sport, and I, I still watch it and so enjoy it and cheer and sit up in bed and clap. And of course, now, and now Danny knows all the moves uh, because I have taught him over the years. Um, and he, too, loves watching it. That's so sweet. Well, what was that moment like for you when you won a gold medal at the Junior Olympics? I mean, that's crazy. Well, you know, that was also the last time I ever ice skated. Um, you took me going out on top very literally. Well, you know, they call it the junior Olympics. And I think now being older and a bit wiser, thinking, was it really? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, but during that time, of course I was, I was like on top of the world. You know, that last time that I ice skated, I had a freestyle um, in the morning that my dad took me to in Acton, Massachusetts. And it was absolutely freezing. Um, and I was very sick. But of course, you know, you, you power through and you go, you do it. It's the first time in any competition that my father did not check, check my ice skates. And come to find out they were felt a little wobbly, but I mean, I was sick also at the time, but I, so I really didn't pay attention to it, but I certainly paid attention to it when I got on the ice and really spent a majority of the competition, um, on my bottom, but my arms looked beautiful. My father said, <laughs> they were very, he said, honey, they were very lyrical. Every time you get up, your arms would go out and you know, you would still be doing the moves. Your feet just weren't moving. Um, and, you know, that really took away so much of my confidence to, and I had a big competition that afternoon. Um, actually, I said that backward when I said it was my last competition for the junior. Um, it, the junior was actually before that. Um, and once again, I was, you know, so sick. And Linda Carter, I believe, was at that competition, come to find out, months later. Wonder um, Woman. <laughs> I know, I know. And during that competition, because my confidence was so shaken, I re-choreographed um, some of the moves and the jumps because, like I said, my confidence was shaken. Um, by that point, um, well, they played my music, and as I was starting, it was ending because someone had put it on record. Oh my God, I'm, I'm dating myself. Um, <laughs> probably half the listeners don't even know what a record is. Um, They're back in style, I think. I think are, vinyl's are, like in now. Are the, so are the vinyl's back in. Um, thank you for that. Um, but anyway, the judges called me because I stopped. You never stop. Even if your clothes fall off, you don't stop. You just keep going. Just like, you know, when I fell and I was on my bottom, my arms just kept moving. You don't stop. So anyway, the judges had called me over and said, either you skate with the music, you don't skate with the music, make the decision right now. I was like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll skate the music. And I'm like, just praying, oh, let me get through this. By that point, um, of course, my whole family had left the rink. Um, and never saw me um, ice skate. They were all in the car. And I remember the windows being frosted up because it was so cold and they had the heat on. And I was knocking on the window. I'm like, come on in. They're like, no, honey, come on. We're going to go for a nice meal. But like, no, 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 please, come on. I want a gold medal. <laughs> 
And they were like, it's okay, honey. Come on. It's been a rough day. We're going to go for a nice meal because everything was always resolved with a nice meal. Whether you were happy, you were sad, it didn't matter. And um, anyway, you know, they were, of course, like so happy and whatever. And then I ice skated um, uh, in a show that night. God, that was a busy weekend yeah, that night. Really? Um, and I skated to Believe. Um, in yourself, which is from the whiz, which is something I really try to carry through life with me um, and to power through and to always believe. And that's something that I've always tried to share and encourage in my boys to always believe in yourself. Don't worry about everybody else. Just always keep your composure, forge forward, work hard, be kind and honest. And Lord, I mean, it just, it says so much just in that song. And I actually ended up dancing to that song as well, um, which is when um, Wilhelmina had seen me in New York City. I was skating to Believe, because I love that song. Wow. So, um, anyway, wait, sorry, so, that was so long-winded. No, no not like, at all. Right. So that's how you were discovered as a model, is that Wilhelmina saw your program and saw your beautiful arms and said, we've got to sign this young lady? I was, uh, yeah, I was dancing to a lyrical jazz number and she was one of the judges. My parents had been approached. Uh, I mean, of course I am not like, by well, we all know that I'm not very tall, um, <laughs> in stature without my heels. Um, so, and honestly, modeling was the last thing, um, on my list. I was not, um, someone who, really paid attention to fashion at that time or really went to the movies or my time was always about training, skating. How can I do that better? When's the next session? How early do I have to get up to make the five thirty session? Um, and you would skate after school as well or dance because like I said, they, they really do go hand in hand, but yeah, it was in New York city and it was a dance competition and she approached me, but two, um, what had happened was I was tobogganing with my parents and a boyfriend and my foot slipped off the toboggan and shattered my leg. And that ended my skating career more or less. Uh. So, but you know, before that all, I don't regret it. I will tell you. <laughs> Do you think you would have continued on? I probably would have continued on, but we would not be speaking right now. We would not. And I would, That's true. And I would not have the life that I have or um, the wonderful opportunities um, because I never would have probably been interested. Because I can remember when they were bringing me in for surgery the following day of the break, um, I just remember looking up at my parents and saying, well, you know, maybe we sh I was under drugs, mind you. Maybe we should just listen to what she had to say, Wilhelmina has to say. I know I'm not interested, but, you know, never say never. Maybe that's where that comes from, too. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, months later, went in and spoke to Wilhelmina, and um, she asked me to join the agency. Wow. And, and that was that. And that was the end of my skating career, too, because um, the injury caused a lot of, uh, an awful lot of damage. Wow. Well, as Mara said, you did go out on a high. Um, now, 
So you then appeared on some pretty prestigious covers during your modeling career. Like, what stands out to you? What do you remember about just that period of time in your life? Probably, you know, when I, when my mom always traveled with me, always. So we would travel back and forth to, from New York to um, Boston or Boston to New York. Uh, but the traveling, I was in Milan. I was um, probably Scavulo, working with Francesco Scavulo. And he was shooting was to keep me like, I know what he was thinking. She's so short. We'll just have her. And, he, and I remember that was the bubble above his head. And then he said, um, I could hear him, you know, we'll just have her sit down. So I, they did, they had me sit down. I think it was for Cosmopolitan um, and Way Bandy, who was a huge makeup artist um, back then, um, did my makeup for that. And I can't remember who did my, oh, um, John Sahag, who was like the, the mm-hmm. hairstylist. Um, then he did my hair so lovely. I have to say, Francesca was so wonderful. I, everybody, I have to say, I have never had a bad experience. I mean, even with Patrick de Marchelaire, who can be temperamental, I heard, but I never experienced that when I worked with him. And of course, loved working with Bruce Weber on many occasions. Um, I was with Bruce. We, he, oh, he shot my 17 magazine cover, I believe. I mean, this is like a who's who my, of the photo, think, fashion photo yeah, world. Yeah, totally. And he did also, I think, my bizarre, my Italian bizarre cover. You know, I've always had really wonderful experiences. Um, and I'm not sure if that's because my mom was there all the time, uh, because there was a lot of shenanigans that went on. Um, but as I was there in the corner with my algebra book, looking over it, my mother would just go out to get coffee or whatever, and things would take place. Um, but I have to say, I, um, all my memories are just really positive, I remember when I was in, um, I was in Italy for the bizarre collect- Italian bizarre collection, and I was with Eileen Ford at that time, and she could not have been more lovely. I, I you know, I've been with, I, I was worked with Johnny Casablanca as well, and you know, it was all positive, all positive memories, and I wouldn't have changed it for the world. It was, um, it was great. I got to see the world. I had never left the country before in my life. And here I was, you know, in Milan, in Rome. Um, I was in um, Guadalajara. I was in um, Marrakesh. So, yeah. So, I mean, for a teenager from a very small town in Massachusetts, um, it was exciting and it was fun. And um, during that time... You know, I was able to spend quality time with my mom. I felt guilty always because, of course, I'm taking my mom away from my dad. But that was a sacrifice they both made for me. Um, which, you know, I am so grateful. So grateful. Mm-hmm. So from there, you began your acting career proper. And your first TV credit was the star maker with Rock Hudson, not to mention Melanie Griffith and Suzanne Bruchette. Mm-hmm. My yes. goodness. Okay, so what was what was that like? Well, you know, that came about because, you know, in the, mus- the makeup counters at like Neiman's or Saks, and they had, remember when they, I think they still do, they have like makeup cards for like, Say, so I think mine was um, Alexander Demarkov, and I was I had the the makeup card, the cosmetic card, where it's a photo of me. 
Um, and Vicki Rosenberg, um, who was head of casting at the time, had seen that photo of me. And then they contacted um, Eileen Ford. Next thing I knew, I was being flown out to, um, to Los Angeles with my mom. And I was not, I had never taken an acting class in my life. Um, and the minute I realized I had an audition, of course, immediately, um, I started to study with Jack Waltzer in New York just to get me through that preliminary stage. Um, and then, of course, I continued with him. But that's when NBC, um, hi, Fred Silverman was the uh, president of NBC at the time. And um, they hired me and it was uh, it was so fun and it was exciting. And all these years later, um, it was I think when we was like five years later or so. I'm not sure exactly on the timeline, but at this point I was on Days of Our Lives and I was at the Hamburger Hamlet in Sherman Oaks um, picking up some dinner before heading heading home to study my lines for the following day. And I felt a little tap on my arm and I turned and it was Rock Hudson. And he's like, Christian, how are you? And I'm like, oh my God, Rock, how are you? Of course, I'm just like, you remember me? <laughs> and I mean, we did work together, but even still, I mean, I was just so in awe. Such an, that's, that is Hollywood royalty. Mm-hmm. He is an icon. And it turns out that he was a huge fan of Days of Our Lives. <laughs> Wow. And he was asking me questions about the show. And is this going to happen? And that's going to happen. <laughs> and I have to say, I was just like, you're asking me questions about my character? What? Um, it was it was amazing. I mean, and Melanie was so fabulous and wonderful and kind. And Susan Plachette, that sexy voice of hers and gorgeous. You know, it was great. It was great. It really was, it was, it was really wonderful. And Jack Scalia was in it as well. And mm-hmm. Brenda Vaccaro was in it. Um, it's quite a list. It's quite a list. I know. And I was just like a little, like, blink in there. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, Rock was just so unbelievably patient um, because I had never acted before. And, you know, to be able to work with someone of his stature and here I was totally, you know, um, in nursery school, he was very patient with me and explained things to me. And it was actually the first time I was told anyway, that, cause he died in, I think my character's name, I think it was Kelly. I'm not positive. Um, but died in, um, a film and he died in my arms. Wow. Wow. I mean, the character. Right. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, just cheese Louise. Um, so anyway, it was a great experience. Okay. Well, speaking of days of our lives. So in 1983, you joined the cast as Hope Williams. So first of all, tell us your audition story. My audition story. Well, when I was hired to um, do the Star Maker, NBC had put me under contract for a year. Um, at that moment... I was still living in Boston, in Massachusetts, and I was still in school. And they had approached me about, what do you think about, you know, join, you know, not joining, but auditioning for Days of Our Lives. And it was actually for the same role. It was for Hope. Um, at that time, uh, terrified, all I could hear, when hear about is earthquakes. Um, but that also meant uprooting my whole family if I did, because I was underage. So that wasn't going to happen. But then all of these years later, 
um, the role came up again and I was out here during pilot season because by that point I was, you know, in acting class and realized, you know, shooting the star maker, uh, that it was something that interested me and it was creative and, um, and fun. So, um, I was out here and auditioned for the role, um, and a, a nervous wreck, um, and I think probably, you know, the audience would be surprised to hear too, that I still get nervous. All of these years later, I still get nervous and about, is it going to be good or is it going to be okay? Am I going to remember the lines and is it going to work? Is it what the audience wants? And all of this goes through my head a majority of the time when I'm walking out on set. Um, but during this time, especially, maybe I, you know, it was being shot, the test, in the Horton house. And I was already a fan of days of our lives because I would watch it when I would come home from school while I was getting ready to head to the ice rink and being in that set, I was a nervous wreck, but Mm -hmm. of course my motto also is never let them see you sweat. (laughs) Um, so you played it cool. I tried to, I, of course I had that like heat on the back of my neck and that lump in my throat of nervousness. Um, and I remember coming down the stairs and thought, Oh, well, I'll just like, you know, come down the stairs and I'm holding onto the railing, not knowing that that little knob at the end is not attached. <laughs> so of course, uh, I took a tumble and that's not very impressive because I'm sure they're probably looking at me. Oh, she's going to be a liability. Um, <laughs> so, Anyway, that test was with Wayne Northrup, I believe. Um, and I, I know he's very sweet. Um, and it was a good experience. And they hired me, shockingly. <laughs> and I was over the moon, excited. And then they had called me um, a few weeks later. And they were going to audition the Bose. And I was said to my agent, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not in town. Just tell them I'm not in town. Well, why? I was so afraid, seriously, they would realize they made a mistake if they saw me again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I'm dead serious. I said, please just tell them I'm back in New York. I'm not available, unfortunately. And I had to go with that white line. Um, Cut to Peter Reckel was hired. I heard that, you know, Tom Cruise read for Bo also. Really? Wow. That's that's news. Is that news? Yeah, I never heard that before. Yes. Um, who was it? Uh, Francesca Bellini, who is one of our mainstay stage managers, was sitting on the plane with him. This is years and years and years ago. And I guess he must have asked her, what do you do? And she said, I work on Days of Our Lives. Oh, and he told her that he had read for, um, for Bo on Days of Our Lives. Wow, no, I mean, that's, it's just crazy to think the path everyone's <laughs> yeah, life would have taken if that had happened. Isn't, isn't that amazing? Yes. So then you did not. Uh, I did not test for uh, the bows. Okay. I did not. Okay. Mm-mm. I did not. I wonder who did. <laughs> I wonder there's probably uh, a screen test on a shelf somewhere. I think that it was, uh, I think it was Wayne Northrop. Oh, okay. Well, that makes All sense right. too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think it was Wayne Northrop. So uh, when you think about, you know, coming onto the show as Hope and your early years in the role, what are your standout mm-hmm. memories of that period? You know, honestly, I will say that I'm very grateful to um, Betty Corday 
and Ken Corday and giving me the opportunity because I truly was the new kid on the block with the least amount of experience to walk on that set. Um, and NBC also because it was collaborative um, decision. But Betty, um, I heard, uh, really rooted for me um, to be hired and to give the kid a try. So, and then to be given and be paired with Peter Reckle, who was also very much more experienced and, and, you know, did a lot of theater and had been in the business for quite some time. Um, I was very lucky in the story. We had Shelley Curtis as our, you know, uh, producer and Al Raven. And I mean, it was, it was a, it was a magical time. Did I realize what it was at that moment? No, because I was so focused on trying to learn my lines, be professional, Look for that light as I would sometimes get yelled at. Christian, can't you find that light? Look for that light. I'm like, oh my God, in my head, there's like a hundred lights. What, which light? There's like, <laughs> they're all on. Um, I really, you know, um, Frances Reed, oh my gosh, so amazing, amazing, amazing. Miss her every day. Um, and Susan and Bill, oh my gosh, seeing them for the first time. Um, and years before, maybe it was a year before, I had um, joined the cast is being at Grand Central Station and I had taken the, the train in with my mom and looking up and seeing, and I know I've told this story, you know, a thousand times, but it just really sticks and looking up and seeing Susan and Bill Hayes on the cover of Time Magazine. I still get chills when I think about it. Such a gorgeous couple. It was my, you know, such it's such a great show, something I watched, my family watched. Um, and all of a sudden I'm a part of that. So I was, um, I was in awe and I was nervous a good portion <laughs> for a good length of time. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm still nervous. Um, but that keeps that, um, that burning fire in my belly to, you know, do as well as I possibly can every day. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're saying that you really weren't aware of the impact that you and Peter had on I the was, audience. No, but not I at know all. that you say when you went to New Orleans that that's kind of when you got a first glimpse um, because of it your was, welcome at the airport. So what oh my gosh, there? it was Stephanie. It was absolutely insane. I remember being on the plane. It was Francis Reed and it was Shelley Curtis, uh, Pete, myself. Um, I'm not sure who else was on the plane with us. But we're waiting to the plane, and I heard music. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Pete, they're playing our theme song. How crazy is that? <laughs> we come off the jetway, and there's like an eight-piece band. <laughs> and there was over 10,000 people. I think I found that tape at my parents' house. I was like, oh, my gosh, I will have to have this um, put on a DVD since we don't have VCRs anymore. Um, <laughs> But it was so crazy, insane. I just remember Pete was a little nervous. I was terrified <laughs> because there were so many people and everybody was so nice. But it, it was very close quarters. And I just remember Pete, like, my, I don't think my feet touched the ground until he kind of like threw me in the car head first. <laughs> <laughs> and trying to, you know, protect me. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, I was amazed, but I don't think it ever really did hit me. Um, I mean, yes, that was, 
unbelievable. I mean, it was just a, such a different time also. Um, but I think I was just kind of like, hey, good morning, everybody. Okay, <laughs> this is the way it is. Okay, great. Hi, how are you? Do you know what I mean? And I had never, I don't, we had never shot out of the studio at that point for me. Right, 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 right. So then you were really up close and personal <laughs> with your, yes, with your audience. Very, very. And everybody was, you know, amazing, amazing. It was so fun. It was so much fun shooting in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I loved the New Orleans story. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was just really, everything about it was just magical. So um, in general, uh, the 80s were such a storied heyday for Days of Our Lives. It was the super couple generation. You were right smack in the middle of that with Kim and Shane and Steve and Kayla and Justin, Adrian and Marlena and Roman and uh, Jack and Jennifer came a little bit later. But in general, like, what was it like on set at that time with all these superstars walking around at the, you know, just the height of their popularity? Um, I really did. During that time, I really did not recognize the popularity of all the couples. All I knew is that we're having a great time. We're telling great stories. We had, you know, much more time. Um, and we had more socializing time also. It's yeah, it's funny to think of a time, though, where it was just like, oh, it's just our everyday reality that we're going to England to film a wedding. We're, you know, doing magazine shoots all the time. All of these things that you took for granted because it's what you knew. Right. Exactly. Uh, kind of. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that was just part of like the normal that everyday just, thing it, that we did. It was part of, it was kind of part of the every, I mean, going to England or going to Florida or going to New Orleans. Uh, that wasn't, that was so fun because I didn't, I mean, I traveled as a model um, for different jobs, but this was me as an adult without my, it, do you know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. completely different. You know, I'm, it was just a completely different um, experience. And it was magical. Every time we would fly somewhere or shoot outside, I even loved shooting outside at Salem Place mm. because it was change. Right. Oh, Salem Place. Salem Place. It was change. Mm-hmm. And it was great. And if we were shooting inside of a car or a limo, there was, I think there were scenes with, um, oh my gosh. And then Bo and Hope's wedding that supposedly took place in England but we shot the interiors here off, um, off of Highland, a church there. That was amazing. And we got to do so many incredible things. Mm-hmm. I'm very, I, you know, it's so different for the kids that are on the show now. Totally different experience, um, which is still a great experience, but it de- it's definitely different. But then all of, you know, television has changed. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, uh, as part of your TV experience, uh, you also left A's in 87 and you joined the cast of Falcon Crest. So that was a pretty hot show then. What was it like to join that one? Um, Falcon Crest, oh my gosh, Jane Wyman, amazing. I had a great, I have to say, and it's probably just going to sound corny, but I have to tell you, I've, I've always had great experiences. The people I've worked with, have been amazing. David Selby. I mean, I can tell you, I'm going to tell you a quick fun story about Jane Wyman, who was so dear. I mean, Rod Taylor too, movie star. Uh, So I was sitting with Jane Wyman. They were doing a new setup for a new shot. And we were just sitting there talking and the AD uh, came over and said, excuse me, uh, Ms. Wyman, but there's um, the first lady is on the phone for you. She was married to 
um, Ronald Reagan. So she looked at him and says, I'm very, very busy. (laughs) (laughs) So the AD left and you could see that he was nervous about coming up to say this again. Um, Excuse me, Miss Wyman. She said she really, the first lady says she really needs to speak to you. And I told you I am busy. And then she'd look at me and she'd call me McGillicuddy. Why she called me McGillicuddy? I don't know. (laughs) But I never questioned it. I was sitting with Jane Wyman, the movie star. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So who was so lovely and helpful and just really, really welcoming. And so then the AD returned and said, excuse me, Miss Wyman. I know, I know you're busy. Deep breath in the AD. The president of the United States is on the phone. He would like to talk to you. She looked at me. She said, McGillicuddy, excuse me. And up she got and off she went. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, oh my God, this is like history, right? Um, Like, how is this my life? How is this my life? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, Lorenzo Lamas, uh, you know, he was so amazing. Yeah, you have a pretty, pretty impressive list of people you've worked with. Absolutely. I've been so lucky. I really have been incredibly blessed in so, so many different ways. And, you know, I have to say, you know, before I hang up, I've been back to the show since 94. And I have must say that it really, truly has flown by. I cannot believe <laughs> it's been 20-something years. <laughs> um because I, I love where I work. I love the people that I work with. And I feel very, very fortunate. Some days are better than others, as in all of our job, jobs, or they're like roller coasters. It's like a roller coaster. But I have to say, I would not want to be anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, we wouldn't want you anywhere else either. My goodness. True, true. <laughs> um, so uh, in 1998, you started mm-hmm. playing Princess Gina. Uh, what did you think the storyline would be at that time? And could you have imagined that 21 years later, she would still be a factor on the canvas? I am a big Princess Gina fan, by the way. Are you? (laughs) Yes. Love me some Princess Gina. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, Well, Ken Corday called me 21 years ago and said, Christian, you know, how do you feel about singing and playing the piano? I said, if you want ratings to stay up, you don't want me to sing. (laughs) (laughs) So, which, you know, all the Christmas shows, Peter um, record would tease me and um, sometimes cover my mouth. And then finally I was like, okay, I won't (laughs) sing. I'll just lip sync. Um, So you're lip syncing all those Christmas carols around the Horton tree. I really do. Him smiling at me is like, he's smiling at me because there's not a peep coming out of my mouth. (laughs) I am just lip syncing. So anyway, back to Princess Gina. Uh, They had, so we just, he was silent for a moment and then he went, oh, oh, all right. Um, you know, if I had known back in 98, when I first heard about the story, I probably would have been so nervous and, um, really overwhelmed with the storyline because never realizing how 
huge it ended up being and playing all of the different characters and opposite one another. And then remembering what Hope said to Princess Gina and Princess Gina talking to Hope or Hope is Gina and trying to keep it all straight in the double who would play opposite, I would have to think about what I would do physically um, and to share that with her so she could do it on the over-the-shoulder shot and then, of course, turn it around and I have to remember what I told her, but then also relate to her and remind her during this line or on this beat, I did this with my arm so it wouldn't be so difficult in editing and so it would match. Um. It was, the wardrobe was amazing, I will say, of (laughs) Princess Gina. Part of the Princess Gina love is who doesn't love a good tiara? A good tiara. (laughs) Richard Bloor did such a spectacular job with all of her looks. And the hair and makeup department were impeccable. I mean, just the, everyone, it was just, it was, it was so much fun because everybody was in the game. And what I really loved about the Princess Gina storyline also and leading up to it all, and my God, and working with Joseph Miscoz, I got to work with everybody as Hope, as Hope as Gina, as Princess Gina. It was, it was truly an amazing time. It's a completely different take, I feel, mm-hmm. on Princess Gina than the Princess Gina back in 98, I think that what's important to say that is familiar, I hope it reads through, um, is that Princess Gina, the reason she has done this time around the things that she does or the way she handles such things is because it's about love and kind of a rebirth of Princess Gina. And her vacillating back and forth from within and her emotions is the fight with from within of Hope and um, and Princess Gina, but also of holding on to this rebirth of being alive again and seeing the love of her life. Because John and Princess Gina did have a tangible romantic relationship. And it was, I feel it was so well done. Um, and, um, and I hope that this time some of that is captured of why she is doing the things that she does. And you see her regret in some of the things that she does, but then has to overcome that to stay present. Well, you did mention Joseph Miscolo. What memories of him can you share with us? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, Cupcake, that was my nickname for him. Because Joseph has such stature and had such presence that, and you know, and he could look, you know, watching him as Stefano could be like a little scary, but then it was kind of like that mustache twirl of a childlike quality from within and such a marshmallow inside. So I would call him like a cupcake because it was sweet and kind and um, loved working with Joe. Completely missed not having him here, of course. And miss 
not having him here for this storyline because he was so much a part of the storyline back in the 90s and um, miss him today as a person, miss him as a co-star. Um, I miss him. I miss him. Yeah, he was. He, it was funny. He was, I always say he was the person who like, I was so nervous to interview. And then he mm-hmm. just ended up being like, just such a like wonderful mushy guy, you know, like so lush, sweet. Right? Yeah. A yeah. total cupcake. Yes. He really oh, he was, was being that, you know, he was on, we were on set and he was growling about something. And I looked at him and I said, Hey, and he said, what, what? I said, you're such a cupcake. What, 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 what's the growling? <laughs> and he started to giggle and laugh like, you know, like a boy, a young boy. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I don't, don't tell anybody. (laughs) (laughs) So sweet. (laughs) So, so sweet. So, so sweet. Um, Well, we are talking to you on the 54th anniversary of days. Um, That's shocking in itself. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So for someone who has been there and seen many memories and milestones in years past, you know, what does it mean to you to still be such a big part of the fabric of the canvas of Salem? I'm very grateful to still have a job there, do what I love, work with people that I love. It's, I, I feel very blessed. I am so grateful to be able to walk through those doors every day and be a part of Days of Our Lives because that. Ken Corday, um, I take my hat off to 54 years. That's amazing. Your parents are smiling. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there is some pretty exciting story coming up on days uh, for you and for the rest of Salem. What can you tease about what fans can expect in the near future? Buckle up, but buckle up with two belts because it's going to be a ride and you're going to have to watch. And I've said this before, and that was around the 50th. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of twists and turns and you'll be gasping <laughs> on some accounts. Because even I, who read all the scripts, um, were also gasping. With, what? Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> well, we are definitely excited to watch and we thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of your wonderful memories with us. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And you know, may I please just take a moment and truly, I just want to thank the readers and the listeners, um, and the viewers for all of their support and their love through all of the years of supporting me, supporting the show, uh, supporting the character of hope that I truly, it's the best character, um, and any of the other shows that I've been, um, blessed to work on. Um, that I have to say she is um, a diamond in the rough and I really enjoy playing her um, and discovering uh, the next facet of her. So thank you. Thank you all so very much. And the holidays are right around the corner. So happy holidays. (laughs) Thank you. And we hope to talk to you soon. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good day, Christian. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Christian Alfonso for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. <laughs>